This is Journey Church Podcast. Here at Journey, we believe in encountering God and embracing people. From wherever you're listening, we hope you are encouraged by this week's message. Welcome to the second week of Advent. We're so glad you're here. If you're visiting with us for the first time, we're so grateful that you're here with us. And if this is your home, we're glad that you're also here. Well, I'm going to light the candle again. Somebody... Somebody asked me this morning, would you like me to light it for you? And I said, absolutely not. This may be the only comic relief you get in the next 35 minutes. So I said to Dave nervously, though, a second, am I supposed to light two? Because I did, oh, I got the I got the, I got it on. So last week we talked about hope. Are you coming to help me? Oh, okay. I'm having technical difficulties. I knew that. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Carmen liked that Dave came to help me. I'm always, the thing is, the thing is, when you come to church, at least you know that at any time there can be some kind of malfunction <laughs> happening, and it's for your joy. Really, I do it on purpose. Very purposeful. <laughs> we're purposeful in everything here at Journey Church, including the fact that my pants were not very good with this microphone. <laughs> um, So this morning, we're talking about peace in this Let the Light In Advent series. And um, it's interesting that this is a part of, you know, when we celebrate Christmas, we celebrate the peace that Jesus came to bring, uh, particularly because we wouldn't, like nobody, nobody really, if you were to go out and do like meet the street people, meet the people on the street and say, hey, would you, how would you describe Christmas? In North America, not really anybody's saying, you know what, peaceful. The mall, so peaceful. Online shopping, so peaceful. Looking at your credit card statement, so peaceful. But about 700 years before Jesus was born, the prophet Isaiah prophesied this. He said, for unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God. Now, we can all generally nod our heads to this, but then it says that he is to be called the Prince of Peace. This is the name of our God. This is the the actual character of our God, that he is the Prince of Peace. And then we see this borne out in the life of Jesus. In Luke 2.14, when Jesus is born, um, the, the, the angels come to the shepherds and they say, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. This is a reference to this Isaiah prophecy that Jesus was born and that he was bringing peace. And then as Jesus went about his ministry, just before he is being, um, when he's talking about when he leaves, he says in John 14, 27, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. I don't give you peace as the world gives. There's a really big difference between the world, the peace that Jesus brings and the peace that the world get, brings because peace that the world brings uh, is based largely on circumstances. So you get what you want and then we say, and, and then there was peace. Jesus says, I don't give you peace as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Jesus was and is peace incarnate. And what's strange about this is that you rarely meet people who embody this characteristic. I want you to think about all the people you know just for a minute. Just flash your mind through your Facebook profile. If you're under 35, think about Instagram now. 
The truth is very, very few of us would be um, described as peaceful people. In my, listen, in my line of work, I meet hundreds of people, and I meet energetic people, I meet visionary people, I meet, but it's true that very rarely do I meet someone who comes in my office that imbues peace. But what if, what if Jesus coming actually meant that we were to live with that kind of peace? What would it mean for you to actually live with peace? I, I think sometimes as Christians, we live far below what the Lord has wants for us. We live in a realm that says, uh, I wish. And, and I, I do believe this Christmas, I, I've, I've been praying about this for a number of weeks now. I, I just believe God wants to bring peace to some of you who have had very little peace. Um, today, I, I believe God wants to do some renovation in all of our hearts. Um, as I was studying this message, I looked at every verse in the Bible that has to do with peace. There are 790. We're going to start on all of them right now. <laughs> Some of you are aware that the, that the staff gave me a clock, and it's giant because I don't wear glasses, and I need to. Yeah, you can look back. You can look back at the clock now. If you sit in these sides, you can see them, and you can see that when I start getting to the end, it starts going yellow, like flashing yellow, and then when I've gone over my time, it's red. So we're not going to do all 790 verses today. But as I looked at all 790 verses, what I recognized was this, is that basically all of the verses about peace can be categorized into three different categories, generally speaking. Uh, the first kind of peace that the Bible talks about is spiritual peace or eternal peace, and that's peace with God. The, the second type of peace that is talked about a lot in the Bible is emotional peace or internal peace or peace with yourself. And the third type of peace is relational or external peace or peace with others. And I want to talk about these kinds of pieces, and I, I want to talk about what the scripture says about these. You're going to, uh, we are going to go through a lot of scripture today. And by the way, just as an aside, generally when I'm speaking, I speak from the NRSV, um, the New Revised Standard Version, which academically is probably the strongest version. And so that's just for your learning if you ever are wondering, where is that version from? Um, but today we're going to look at a bunch of different versions because there's all kinds of good versions of the Bible that help us to see things in a, a new light. So you're, you're going to see on the screen today, this is just for your, so if I'm reading from a different version, it will come up. If not, it's NRSV. Uh, the first kind of peace and probably the most important kind of peace is peace with God because it affects everything else. Have you ever been in a fight with somebody? Not that you ever fight with your spouse, but if you perhaps have ever been in a fight with a spouse or a friend, and you know that um, nothing else matters, like you're trying to work, but all you can think about is the fight. Uh, you're trying to like bake cookies with a Christmas heart. You're baking them like you're killing the cookies. Uh, this is true uh, even more so in our relationship with God, because our relationship with God more, matters more than anything. The Bible tells us that the first thing, the first thing Jesus came to do on earth was to make, restore peace between us and God. Look at 1 Corinthians 5.18. It says, all this is from God. Through Christ, God made peace between us and himself. This is what God came to do, make peace. You and I had all, uh, had have all sinned. This is not news to anybody. I, you know, it's funny. Um, 
there's rhetoric in the Christian church that people didn't like to hear about sin anymore because everybody's good. But I mean, I've never met an, an I've never met anybody who's like, you know what, I'm perfect. Never. I, I actually think we have to be okay about talking about sin because this is the human condition. All of us were estranged from God. And Jesus, when he came to earth, came to make peace with God. Um, every time I go my own way and decide to be the own Lord of my own life, it's an act of rebellion that takes us away from this peace with God. But God doesn't want us to go that way. He wants us to live in peace with him. He made you to be connected with him. And, and all of us know when we are disconnected from God. You're created with that. Blaise Pascal said that we were all created with a God-sized hole in our heart. Romans, um, Romans 5, 1 through 5 says, therefore since, we've been justified, therefore, since we've been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done for us. So this is where people get it wrong a lot, though. They think, okay, I don't have peace with God, so I'm going to try to be a good person. I'll try to help like old people across streets, I will not run over turtles. I will, I don't know why that came to my head, like that would be a good thing. Probably none of you have ever thought about not running over a turtle before, but because we live in Calgary. Anyways, we try to think about all these things that we could have peace with God, but in fact, the book of Romans tells us that is nothing we can do. If you're going and taking notes, you can circle this part. It's because of what Jesus has done for us. The peace with God that we can have has nothing to do with the fact that you got up at 10.30 this morning and you came to church. It has nothing to do with, we're coming to the end of our Bible reading program, it has nothing to do with the fact that you only missed 63 days this year or 300. It has everything to do with what Jesus did for us. Peace, um, peace comes from what Jesus has done for you. You can't be a nice person and just get to God. Niceness has nothing to do with the equation. Romans 5 verse 10 says, even when we were enemies of God, he made peace with us. Isn't this amazing that God, I, I know that for some of you, this is like a review, but this is a review, we actually, a profound review that we must have. That even when you were an enemy with God, God made peace with you. He made peace with us because his son died for us, yet some something even greater than friendship is ours. Now that we are at peace with God, we will be saved by the life of his son. It goes on to say in Romans chapter 8 that we've become sons and daughters. Jesus coming at Christmas, the, the ultimate reason is so that we could have peace with God. Uh, uh, you might have heard this, like a lot of religions have peace offerings. So in particular, um, other religions in Christianity that you give a peace offering and the gods are supposed to, I don't know, you make peace with your stuff. But Hebrews tells us that we don't actually have to think about that anymore. Hebrews 7.27 says, Jesus brought the sacrifice for the sins of the people once and for all. So when Jesus came and then died, he brought us this peace with God that lasts forever. Now, before we get to living in peace, you can't talk about living in peace without actually accepting the peace that God has for you now. This is our foundational part. And maybe you're here before, maybe you're here and this is your first time here, or maybe you've been coming for a while. I, I, uh, I want to encourage all of us today to accept that peace that Jesus 
has brought to us. It's the point of him coming. He didn't just come to do a bunch of miracles. He didn't just come to um, make us, show us the way to live, although this is part. The number one reason he came is to bring us peace with God. You can't have peace in any other part of your life until you get peace with God. And so the way to peace is to say yes to Jesus. Uh, it's, it's interesting that at Advent, the wise men brought gold, frankincense, frankincense, and myrrh. And we know that these uh, frankincense and myrrh were particularly used in burial. We know that in Jesus' life, his life plan actually started with his death. And his death brought, you, brought peace with God. This is why you can, never, um, you can never extricate the birth of Jesus from the death of Jesus. It was the point of Jesus coming. That's why today we sang uh, about the death of Jesus. I turn my mind to Calvary. When we turn our minds to Advent, to the reason of Jesus coming, we actually also then must turn our eyes to the reason why he came. Okay, so that's the first kind of peace. The second kind of peace is peace within me. A lot of us can get our minds around peace with God, okay? I have peace with God, but what? You're st- you still got to wake up with you. The truth is this, though. When I get the peace, when I get peace with God, then I get the peace of God. So you must start with, so some of us do that backwards. Like we think, well, I'll, I'll, I'll get peace first and then I'll make a decision for God. No, no, no. We actually have to come to God. When we get peace with God, then we can get the peace of God. And this, uh, this changes everything. Colossians 3.15 says, and let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace. Always be thankful. Ah. <sighs> There's a lot of verses in the Bible that are tricky. This is a tricky one. Let the peace of God rule in your heart. What does it mean for something to rule in your heart? Like if I said, you know what? You know what I'm going to call you? Let chaos rule in your house this year. Some of you are not going home. Just going to camp out right here. No. For something to rule in your life means that it takes priority. It takes priority. It is the thing that you are prioritizing. So, let me ask you this. How are you allowing the peace of God to rule in your life? How's that going for you? If we were to take a survey here, I'm sure that there are many of us that didn't sleep very well last night. Because somehow we haven't allowed the peace of God to rule. The, the word for peace in the Bible is the word shalom, and you've heard this word before. But it, it means more than just to end hostility. It means well-being, happiness, harmony. That's what the word shalom means. And this is, in fact, what God has called us to. So uh, technically, there's, like a, there's this idea that God doesn't want you happy. And I, I've actually said this, but as I studied this, I had to... I had to like take a step back. I was in my office thinking, oh. So if shalom, the word shalom means actually to live in happiness and harmony. I mean, have you ever met someone peaceful who was like, I'm really peaceful, but I'm so unhappy. Uh, that, that would be something not peace. I don't know what that would be, the comatose. That would be semi-comatose. But in fact, God does call us 
Now, I'm not saying, listen to me, please don't hear me wrong today. I'm not saying if you're in a hard season that everything should, you should just be like, oh, everything's great, so awesome. No, there's a difference between letting the peace of God uh, transcend our hearts and minds, letting it rule in our lives, and not letting circumstances run us over. When my brother died a number of years ago, 20-odd years ago, I can remember feeling so, I mean, devastatingly sad. Devastatingly sad. That kind of sorrow that gets into your bones and your breath and your every breath is hard. But I, I do remember this as an early 20-year-old kid still living at home, coming back after my degree living at home. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Sorry, my dad. I do remember the peace of God transcending our home. I remember sitting in the funeral and thinking, God, I don't understand, but I know your peace. And that's the kind of peace God's called us to, knowing that God is going to work it out, even if it doesn't seem like you don't know how it's going to work it out, how he's going to work it out. And when you look at these scriptures, these 790 scriptures, what you see from scripture is that there is a peace for every problem. You've got, bro you've got a broken heart here today. There's the comforting peace of God. If you're feeling confused and like you don't know what to do, there's the guiding peace of God. If you're feeling ashamed, there's the forgiving peace of God. If you're worried, there's the confident peace of God. Over and over again in scripture, and I would really encourage you, maybe over the Christmas holidays, if peace is something you lack, that you would study it and that God would reveal this to you. If you have financial, financial worry and lack of peace, there's there's promises for that in the word of God as well. For every problem that we face, God has a peace that he wants to bring to us. And he does have a way of guiding us to the things that we need to get to. We just have to listen. Okay, the, th the third part is peace with others. So the further away from God we are, the more to whack our relationships will be. Um, if, you want, if you want to strengthen your marriage, then get closer to God. Because in fact, what it does is draw you as you focus your mind on Jesus, draws you together. It's just the way God wired us. It's how we get to unity. Ephesians talks about this a lot. Ephesians 2.16 says, on the cross, Christ did away with our hatred for each other. He also made peace between us and God by uniting Jews and Gentiles in one body. In some versions, it talks about how it unites all of us together. We're called to unity with one another, but this is actually something we must contend for. Contend, the Bible tells us to contend for peace. This means we have to stand and say, I'm going to contend for peace of God in my relationships. I'm going to contend for the peace of God in my, in my own heart. Sometimes when we think about peace, and I think this is a little bit of our culture, we think about it just being like passive. Okay, so like peace comes when you put on quiet music and you just sit there with candles on, expensive candles that you bought in a marketplace that are $34 each and they don't smell that good, but you pretend they smell good, okay? So we sort of think that that's how we get peace, that's how we get to peace. But in fact, the Bible is much more uh, forward-facing about peace. We actually must contend for it. That means that when worrying and intrusive thoughts come into our mind, we just need to contend for that. God, Jesus, you came to bring me peace with God, and because I have peace with God, I'm going to accept the peace of God. I'm not going to let that overtake me. 
Sometimes, some of us, with our words, we need to contend for peace. Because with our words, we've decided that we have chaos. Although our kid, that kid is a mess, he's the worst. And the things that come out of our mouth actually betray us. Actually say that we don't, we don't actually, we're not contending for peace. I, I've decided that with my mouth, I'm saying this is going to be our best Christmas ever. I'm getting my wrapping done tonight in Jesus' name. I, yeah, I know, it's a miracle. It's a Christmas. If you were here last week, you know that this is... Uh, I, I, I've decided that, you, you know, the thing is, you can decide what you're going to focus on. I've decided that I'm going to be like a duck when people say weird things. I'm just going to let it, you know, go off my back. My mom told me that all my life, and now I, I'm contending for peace. I'm contending for peace in my own life. If you want like, listen, part of this is we, we have just gotten really passive, like, Jesus is the Prince of Peace. Come and zap me with your peace. No, we've got to contend for peace. You have to say, Jesus, I'm partnering with you in this because you came and brought peace between God. And, this is the, mir- the, the miracle is that Jesus came and brought peace between you and God. Now, if he can bring peace between you and God, he can bring peace between you and CIBC. <laughs> we, we, we sometimes, like I'm telling you though, like in a spiritual, what we do is we just decide that oh, it's not that big deal that God brought us peace with that Jesus brought us peace with God. Not that big. And we negate the gospel. This is why we started with the most important peace is peace with God. Because if Jesus could make peace between you and God, could bring you into his family, you could be called God's child. Sign those adoption papers. You are his. A cattle on a thousand hills that are, that are God. They're yours now. You are an heir. If he can, if he can do that. I mean, you're, the things you're dealing with, they're real. But they are certainly not insurmountable. It's peace with others. These kinds of pieces, peace build on each other. Galatians 3.28 says, There's no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. This is the kind of peace God came to bring to us. Okay, so now here's the real... He came to bring us peace with himself and peace with ourselves and peace with others, but how do we actually live that out? I got to this end and I was like, great, my sermon's done. And then I actually reread it to myself and thought, what do we do with that when it's like Monday? Do you know when you're just having a Monday? The blender breaks down in you. I was trying to think about days where like, it's just been a terrible, no good day. But I, didn't, I realized I didn't need to explain them to you. You all have them yourself. Just things when nothing goes right. So how do we live with peace then? What is Jesus being the prince of peace? What are the angels cracking open the sky and saying, I'm bringing you peace. What does that mean to you in Calgary, Alberta? And it often gets so cold here. What does it mean? Verse, I, I think there's a couple of ways we experience this peace. And the first is by having a moment of clarity. Um, I don't know if you've ever had um, where things have been fuzzy and then all of a sudden something has become very clear to you and you think to yourself, where was I living before I knew this? How was I even, uh, how was I even, I don't know, like going about my life? This is the kind of moment that all of us, if you've said yes to Jesus, you've had a moment of clarity where you've said to Jesus, where all of a sudden it has become clear to you, abundantly clear, that Jesus loves you, that he has a plan for you. I can remember being 12 years old 
in the seventh grade, and my mom will tell you that I was a handful of a child. I know this would be surprising to many of you. <laughs> I remember standing outside, and I looked up, and all, I can't tell you why it happened. I can't tell you, but all of a sudden, I had a moment of clarity that God was real, and that I was uh, being called by him, to him, to follow him. And that moment of clarity um, changed everything, changed everything for me. 12 years old. And this is, by the way, this is what we're praying for your children as well. Did you know that 85% of people come to Jesus between the ages of 4 and 14? Which is why, as a church, we're next generation focused. Because that's just good math. Now, if you've come to Jesus, and so many of you, particularly over the last year, have said yes to Jesus outside of that window, you're a miracle. Uh, which is, that doesn't mean that we don't lean into people that are beyond 18. It just means that we, which is why, just a PSA for our kids' church workers, um, serving the children is not lesser. We're actually reminding children that they can have peace with God. So at 12 years old, I had this real moment of clarity. And when you get that moment of clarity, um, it's like scales. The Bible says it's like scales falling off of our eyes. Uh, in the Christmas story, there was a bunch of moments of clarity. Joseph, when he had the dream, he realized, oh, the scales fell off his eyes. I'm having, I can parent the son of God. Mary, when she said yes to Jesus, and then she wrote that song. And the wise men, by the way, the wise men, it, it would seem in scripture that they had a moment of clarity in nature. God is not confined to our like four spots that we think are spiritual. The shepherds, while they were at work doing like a very low kind of job, they had this moment of clarity. And we can have this moment of clarity too. Uh, Ephesians 1.18 says, I pray that your hearts would be flooded with light so that you can understand the confident hope he has given to those he's called. And here's my prayer for you today is that every single person would have a moment of clarity where they can say yes to Jesus. And some of us, this is what we need to pray for. We need to pray, God, would you give me a moment of clarity? Would you give me a moment where I actually come from like knowing about you to knowing, knowing you? Really big difference. Some of us, we come to church, we do all the right things, but if we're like in the confines of our own room or our own, we just like, we're not really sure about it all. We live with more doubt than faith. Oh, can I just implore you to say, God, would you, would you let the light in to my life so that I can live with that kind of peace? We all need a moment of clarity. I can think about uh, Pastor Dave when he was, I just called him Pastor Dave, that's funny. <laughs> I don't call him Pastor Dave at home, for those of you that are wondering. If you want really love titles, this may not be the place for you. Anyways, when Dave, I, uh, when Dave was in his 20s, this is an interesting story because you always hear it from Dave's perspective that he was away from the Lord for seven years. But I actually, as, um, as a young adult, I knew about Dave. Uh, we didn't live in the same city, but we had, I had some similar friends, and all of us were really praying for Dave. And I remember seeing him one year at camp, and he had long, okay, so this is just for fun now. Um, he had long, curly hair. Long, long, beautiful, Italian, big 
I don't think it was that big then. I'm making it bigger than it was. I know. It was, I'm sorry. I'm just, it's the hair I want. They don't have. But he was standing on the sideline, and I remember all the girls were saying, that's Dave, the one that we're praying for. And my, um, my, uh, my friend, who became my cousin, who was Dave's cousin, was saying, that's our nephew, Dave. He's really far away from the Lord, but the Lord has called him. He just doesn't know it yet. <laughs> and Dave, at his rock bottom, cried out to the Lord for clarity. And he expected, and you've heard him tell this story before, how he expected God to come in a big, loud voice and the burning bush. And in fact, God just gave him a dream. And that dream transformed his life. We can pray. And, and, all, and when, when Dave came back to Jesus, all these older women in the church that had been praying for him and weeping with his mom and dad over this came and said, like, we were praying for you. And I am the recipient of that, those prayers and that goodness. We can pray for people to have moments of clarity. We can pray that we would have a moment of clarity. The clarity you have right now is not all that God has for you. Do you understand this? Paul said, we see in a dimly lit mirror, which means that you can have more clarity next year than you had this year. How we walk with the peace of God, is we, need, we need a moment of clarity about that. Like, God, I, I want to walk with your peace. I want to walk with supernatural peace. How many of you are saying in 2024, I want to walk with that kind of, I want to walk with peace that, like people would just look at me and say, there's something different about you. You walk with this peace that leads to joy. Because you can't, I was really aware of this this morning, you can't have joy without peace. It's, it's, it, well, let's put it this way. It is much easier to be joyful when you're peaceful. <laughs> Luke, 17, Luke 11, 35 says, make sure the light, Jesus is talking, make sure that the light you think you have is not actually darkness. What? Jesus was aware that we are able to trick ourselves. Queen and kings of spin we are. And this is where we have to keep praying for clarity. God, in the areas that I've spun things, God, in the areas that I've like made things better than they are or made some things worse than they are, God, would you give me supernatural clarity? I, I, wanna, I wanna encourage all of us to pray this prayer this Christmas. The way to peace is through clarity. God, give me clarity in the areas. Some of you are um, you're discontent and you haven't, Maybe everyone around you recognizes that, but you haven't recognized it for yourself. I think we need to pray, God, would you give us a spirit of clarity so that we could have your, your heart. Isaiah 48, 18 says, if only you had paid attention to my commands, your peace would have been like a river, your well-being like the waves of the sea. Such a beautiful, poetic thing. If only you had paid attention to my commands. Part of it is we need, we need actually clarity so that God will show us where we are not hitting the mark. Starting point to peace is that I must have a moment of clarity. Starting point to walking in that is saying, God, give me, give me clarity. When you spend time with God, this is why we call all of our church every year to spend time with Jesus every day because you have time then to pray that kind of a prayer. The second way to peace is through humility. James 4, 6 says, and he gives grace generously. A scripture say, God opposes, opposes the proud, but gives grace 
to the humble. What I've learned in my life is that God is not moved by my whining or complaining. I am an expert at both of those things. But he is moved by my humility. And he's moved by your humility too. Part of our lack of peace comes from our inability to be humble and say, God, I'm not walking with any peace. I need your peace. Uh, Isaiah 26, 12 says, Lord, grant us peace for all we have and all we are has come from you. I want to ask you if that's a prayer that you're able to pray. Our culture has told us, particularly in the last seven to eight years, that it's okay to be braggadocious and to be rude and to be like, I am... Like we venerate, our culture venerates lack of humility. We promote people who have lack of humility. And that is not a Christian virtue. This is why bragging and puffing ourselves up is actually in direct opposition to the ways of Jesus, to the peace of Jesus. So could it be that if you're not walking with peace, you've put, a lot of, you've put a lot of stuff on your own self? What if we started praying the prayer and actually meaning it? God, for all we have and all we are comes from you. See how that peace is tied to our humility, our ability to say, God, everything Everything I've ever done. Now, that's not, I'm not talking about false humility, like where people say, hey, great job, and you go, it's not me, it's nothing I did. You have a really good voice. No, I don't. The Holy Spirit sings through me. Yes, he does, but he also gave you a good voice. It's fine. <sighs> I'm not talking about false humility. I'm talking about the very real understanding that any gift you have been given has been given to you by God himself that any, any goodness, that the, the, your children that you've raised in a godly way, that any part of their goodness comes from God breathing on them. And um, the truth is, some of us are coming into 2024 having a hard, hard year. I know that because I've walked with many of you. And um, this is actually where we are most... Um, able to receive the peace of the Lord. So if you've had a hard year, Psalm tells us, Psalm 34, 18 says, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He rescues those whose spirits are crushed. Some of you have come in with like crushed spirit. You just feel like, I don't even know 2023, 2024 is anything like 2023. I just don't want it. I just believe that the Lord is close to you. And he wants to breathe his peace on you if you'll humble yourself and just say, God, I need your peace in the middle of this difficult circumstance. Some of us, though, it's been hard and unfair. And what we've done is this. I don't want your peace, God. I don't want anything to do with you. I remember when my brother died that this was like a very real thing for me. I, I, I was so mad. And I had a number of things go wrong in my life. If you named it, it went wrong in my life that year. I remember sitting downstairs on the couch saying, I did. And then I felt the voice of the Holy Spirit just remind me that in every circumstance, we have the opportunity to lift our arms, to open our arms up to God and say, God, this really stinks. 
I do not understand it, but I am going to receive your peace in the middle of it. Some of you are in a very hard spot in your marriage right now, and you have the choice to put your arms like this and fight for what is right or to open up your arms and say, God, would you bring the peace of God, the peace that passes all understanding to my situation? This is the choice we have. God is close to the broken. The Bible gives us a practical way to express peace, and that's through humility. So we have a couple of alternatives. We can worry or we can worship. We can pray or we can panic. We can trust ourselves or we can trust God. This is what it means to walk in the peace of God. We make the decision. Philippians 4, 6 through 7 says, don't worry about everything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he's done. Then, then you will experience God's peace. Part of the reason we lack peace often is that we are prayerless. It's not rocket science. We're standing like this and I'm not, gonna, I'm not talking to you, God. I just... What if we just opened up our arms and said, God, here's all the things. Here's all the things I have. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything you can understand. If you have ever experienced God's peace before, you know that this is true. That in the middle of difficult circumstances, God's peace can come on you in a way that you cannot describe. It exceeds anything. This is the peace we must contend for. This is the peace we must contend for in our families. This is the peace we must contend for in all of our relationships. This is the peace we must contend for with ourselves. Some of us have lived with doubt and shame, and the shame has like pushed us into a hole. We need to contend for the peace with ourselves. His peace will guard your hearts and your minds. Oh, th this should be a life verse for all of us living in the 21st century, where everyone's minds have gone haywire. We, we have to contend for peace. Okay, the third way is we get to dependency. So we have clarity. We ask God for humility. We walk in humility, and then we have to have dependency. I, I have to expect that Jesus is going to help me. In some ways, this is faith. Faith to believe that Jesus will help me. Okay, so I want to give you a really quick formula. I, I'm not usually a formula preacher. I don't like them because I usually think they don't work. <laughs> um, but I actually think that there's a scripture in Matthew 28 that if we'd lean into it and we'd live by it, that it actually would transform our lives so we would have peace. Matthew 11, sorry, not 28, Matthew 11, 28 to 29. Jesus said this, then Jesus said, come to me all you who are weary and carry heavy burdens and I will give you rest. Okay, so the euphemism there for weary is like lack of peace. Do you know when someone says to you, how are you, I'm really tired, what they're saying is they don't have peace. You're usually really tired because you're not sleeping, you're really tired, you're, you're weary. Some of us feel that bone weariness You know the bone weariness where you do a lot of extra sighing and people say, what's that sigh for? And you think, I don't know. It's for living. I'm trying to get enough oxygen. <laughs> and so Jesus said, come to me, all you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart and you will find rest for your souls. Okay, so there's a few things in this verse. 
first thing is come to Jesus. Lots of us are Christians and say we follow the way of Jesus and yet we never come to Jesus for any of the things that we're dealing with. We actually have to come to him. Some of you are here and you've been trying to be like, have the good person card and do all the right things. I want to encourage you today to not uh, stop being nice or good, but first to come to Jesus. It's the only way that you'll be transformed. We come to Jesus. And then... um, Then we get to this funny verse, take my yoke upon you. And I know that none of us, we read that and we think, yes, yes, what is that? An egg yolk. Um, So a yoke is the thing they put on cattle when they're plowing up the ground. It's hard work. I had a job when I was 16. I had to build a, dig a trench with an axe, pickaxe. And I came home every day and I realized how hard breaking up ground is. It was the worst job of all time. And cattle are required to do this. If there was just one, it would be hard. But they put this yoke on the cattle so that, the, and it's this big wooden thing, so that in fact um, the the load is shared. And what happens is the stronger cattle does most of the work. The other cattle. Have you ever been? Have you ever had somebody ask you to move? And you, if you're not very strong. And you're all moving something, but you realize you're not really doing anything. You're just like, you're the guiding light in that move. <laughs> Other guys are sweating and you're just pretending. I have not done that before. Lies. When God calls you to take his yoke, what he's saying to you is connect with me. Stop trying to do it all on your own. Stop trying to plow the ground all on your own. I am the stronger one of the two of us. You can just be a cheap mover who just guides things, sort of, not really. But some of us, we, we're trying to do it all on our own. We're going back to God. God, look what I'm doing here. This is so hard. How come you aren't helping me? God says, connect with me. Take my yoke upon you. My burden is easy. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. He's going to take all the heaviness, all the heaviness. If you're feeling heavy today, here's the formula. Come to Jesus. Connect then with Jesus. Like actually say to him, I need you to take this hard part. I need you to take, I need you to take the stuff I can't figure out. Stop trying to be a hero in your own movie. Because when we try to be the hero in our own movie, it it ends in a tragedy every single time. What we have to say is have some humility and say, God, all that I have and all that I'm ever going to be comes from you. I'm taking your yoke. And then there's this weird part that I think we often read as a poem. Because the first part we know, come to me, take my yoke upon me. And then he says, let me teach you. I thought you were doing it all, Jesus. I thought it was over. I was just going to... No, he says, let me teach you because I am humble and gentle. This is where I want to call you to actually read scripture. When, when you read that, like I know if you read it in a, in a Bible vo- voice, it sounds great. Teach. What is being humble and... What does this have to do with any of my problems? Because like, if I'm writing the Bible, and it's a good thing I'm not, I would have said, come to me, because I'm super strong, and I do a lot of miracles. No, come and learn from me. 
because I am humble and gentle at heart. Do you know that most of the problems we face in life have to do with our lack of humility and our lack of gentleness? Because the opposite of humility is aggression, right? So like, our financial problems are often caused because we're like aggressive, like I gotta get that now, I have to have that now, I'm gonna... Our, our relational problems are often because we are not gentle with one another. We forget the hurt that we're all carrying. Our brokenness comes from our inability to say, God, this is all I am. All I am is from you. And Jesus doesn't just leave us as we are. He doesn't say, like, I'm going to take the yoke now. You are just a passive participant. And he calls you to more than that. He doesn't just call you. This is why Christianity is not just a crutch that we carry around. He says, it's a hospital where Jesus says, come to me and connect with me and then learn from me and you're going to get better. And this getting better doesn't end until we die. That's why your best days are ahead of you. That's why 2024 in Jesus' name, you're, you're gonna, God's called you higher. He's called you to be more than you were in 2023 because he said, learn from me. To ask somebody to learn from them and then to like, sorry, you can't learn anything. That would be so awful. Learning implies that he believes you can. Take the yoke of the Lord upon you today and learn from him. I wanna pray for all of us today. I wanna pray for all of us. I, I, I um, you know, every week I come to this stage and think, um, God, what miracle do you wanna do you want to do in our hearts this week? Because I believe we serve a miracle-working God. But I felt, very, I felt very strongly this week that God wants to do a miracle of peace in our hearts. Some of you have come in burdened, burdened with all kinds of problems. And like the last thing you would use to describe your situation is peace. I believe that God wants to come bring you supernatural peace in this moment. Can I ask you to stand to your feet? here this morning and you need the peace of God, just, can we just all close our eyes for just a moment? I just want you to take a moment to examine your life. Don't let the light that you think is light, which is actually darkness, don't trick yourself this morning. Just would you examine your heart and say, God, am I walking with your peace? <sighs> Jesus, thank you for revealing that to us. So for all of us, if, you, if you're here and you'd say, yeah, I, Jess, I need more of the peace of God in my life, I'm just going to ask that you'd lift your hands to Jesus in a way that says, Jesus, I, I'm here and I need your peace. I need you to transform me. Jesus, I pray. We, we do thank you that you are a God of peace, that when you came to earth, you came to bring peace. You are the Prince of Peace. And so, God, we ask for your peace God, to sweep over every single person in this place. I pray that you would be a God who brings supernatural peace, peace that we can't even make sense of in the natural, but you brought it, and so we'll know that it's a miracle that you did. 
God, I pray for that person that hasn't connected with you before. I pray that today we would come to you. We would come to you. We would say yes to you, Jesus. We need to have peace with God. I pray for that person today who isn't connected with you, trying to do it all on their own. Jesus, I pray that we take your yoke upon us. Just right now, would you just give all the ways that you've been trying to give it, you've been trying to do it yourself. Would you just say, God, I just connect to you today. I take your yoke upon me. Your yoke is easy. Your burden is light. And then, God, I pray that you would help us to learn from you all humility and gentleness, that we would be transformed by the power of your spirit. I pray that we would carry this peace that you're supernaturally giving to us, to our homes, to our places of work, that everywhere we go, God, would be marked by the peace of God. In the supernatural and powerful name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. The worship team is going to lead us in a song, and then Pastor Norman's going to come to dismiss you. Thank you for joining us today on Journey Church Podcast. For more information about our ministry, visit myjourney.church.